Welcome to Without Regret. My name is Anonymous Wolf, and these are my stories. It was a Friday night, and I was out with a friend, and in those days, there wasn't a lot to do. There weren't video games at the time. There weren't cell phones at the time. We didn't have computers. We filled our time by driving around. Gas prices at that point were really manageable. You just, you know, I'm going to put two bucks in my car and drive around on a Friday night. Gas was, you know, 55 cents a gallon or whatever it was. So it was not a a huge imposition or a financial burden to just drive around all night and, and look for something to do. And in this particular case, that's exactly what I was doing with a friend of mine. And we'd gone, I think, to another town to cruise their main and and look at their cars and look at their girls and do all that stuff. We weren't up into trouble. We weren't looking for trouble. We weren't fighters. We weren't, uh, you know, instigators. We're just looking for something to do and someplace to hang out. So it's probably close to midnight, I guess, when we roll back into town. And we pulled up to the one and only stoplight we had in our town. And we looked over in the in the area of the one and only gas station we had in our town. and. We saw something that was a little bit different. Um, We saw about three guys. uh, Well, it was actually like five people, but uh, three of them were beating up two others. And one of them had a chain and he was swinging this chain at this at one of the guys. And the guy was dodging it. It was kind of like watching a, a bullfighter and a bull as he's swinging this chain and this guy's trying to dodge this, but stay engaged in the fight. He wasn't really running away. He was just like going to engage somehow, but he was trying to avoid the swinging of this chain. Now, in, in current times, probably there, there maybe there would have been guns out or, or something else. But in these days, in the in the mid nineteen seventies, there wasn't a lot of guns. People weren't carrying guns. Young people weren't carrying guns. And when you got into some sort of dispute, or whether it be territorial, or over a girl, or over a guy, or whatever, there was a, you know it was hand to hand combat. It was not firing at somebody. There was the term drive by shooting had not been invented. The, the term serial killer had not been invented. This was a much much simpler time where things happened in a vacuum. They were singularities. They didn't carry on. As we pull up and I see this guy swinging this chain, I turn to the guy driving the car I was riding with and I go, isn't that your brother? And he had five brothers and this in fact was one of them. But we were young. These guys were about four or five years older than us and we were young, you know, old enough to drive a car. So we were probably 16. But what are we going to do with these guys? Are we going to get out and help against this guy with a chain and and these other older guys. So we did the only thing we thought we could do and knew what to do is we went about two blocks up the street to a corner bar. And in this corner bar is, you know, loaded with locals and loaded with people we knew, younger, older. We all had older brothers and sisters. And so we knew a lot of people of different ages. So we just went into the bar and said, hey, two guys are down the street or three guys are down the street. And a guy's swinging a chain at my friend's brother. So that's really all you have to say in a small town local bar for that place to empty out. We had also heard from somebody else in the bar. They go, oh, yeah, I heard those guys were coming to town and they're supposed to bring a lot more guys. I didn't know they were here already. So, you know, they were these guys in the bar were kind of expecting something to happen. I have no idea why. I don't know what led up to this situation, but the situation was escalating pretty quickly. 
So um, one person then ran down to the other corner bar, which was literally a block away. So people are coming out of that bar. People are coming out of this bar. And now there's a large group of people. Uh, they are ready to go. They are expecting these carloads of people from this other town to come in. And the fight that we witnessed was apparently just sort of a a skirmish in preparation for a larger event that we had no idea why this was happening. Um, it could have just been a Friday night alcohol-fueled boredom situation. I don't know what, what it was, but it was what it was. And, you know, from our point of view, we were driving around looking for something to do. And now we had something to do. People were coming out of their cars, going to their cars and coming out with various weapons and and various, you know, whatever they were going to do in a fight. And I have no idea how they knew what was going to happen, but they did. Word traveled fast and whether it be rumors or or lies or whatever it was, people people came down there. And now there's probably close to... 40, maybe 50 people down there. And um, they had very quickly scared off the guys who were beating up the brother of my friend. So those guys had took off. And the assumption was they were going back to pick up their friends and come back. And it was going to be this this very large uh, downtown brawl pretty much in the middle of the night. Very, very, very much like a uh, rebel without a cause kind of a West Side Story without the dancing and singing, this this sort of old school, big fight, rivals fighting. We weren't gangs, but there was just this town versus town thing. It was very, you know, very, very important at the time. It seemed like, oh, yeah, you have to you have to be there. If you weren't there and you weren't helping, then then you were part of the problem. And very much like the old school baseball fights where everybody had to run out of the dugout and at least pretend like you were defending your teammate. But this was this was one of those situations where you were coming to defend your friends in your town or you're not. And that was a vibe with some people, but most people it was pretty much, um, yeah, something to do. Uh, well, pretty quickly, uh, the police arrived. And we didn't have a lot of police back then. So there was one or two policemen that were patrolling, you know, three small towns that were several miles apart. So they were the county sheriffs and they would circulate around, but mostly they would drive and they would get a call and they would come and deal with that situation. But, you know, it was kind of scary for them because they were alone and maybe they could get some backup, but Usually, you know, it was going to be a lot of people and they were going to have to deal with this. So it's, um, you know, back in those days, as I said, we didn't have guns. People weren't carrying guns. Nobody ever thought about carrying guns. Guns were not, you know, people used guns to hunt with. They used guns for you know, target practice. But nobody ever thought about using a gun at that point for self-defense or for using as a weapon in an altercation. That was just kind of unheard of, kind of weak. People would look down on somebody if they pulled a gun. It was ridiculous. But what we did have is we we did have sporting equipment in our trunk. And I call it sporting equipment because that's exactly what it was. Pretty much everybody in those days carried a couple of things. Some people carried a pipe. Some people had a tire iron, those kind of things, because a tire iron is a tool in your car, and nobody can say that that's not a tool necessary to have in your car. Some guys carried ball-peen hammers. 
Um, I know a lot of the biker guys carried carried uh, hammers because they could, you know, it was a tool. Nobody's going to stop you from carrying a hammer because you have a piece of machinery. You might need this hammer to repair that. So in the backs of cars were hammers. There were also golf clubs and there were also baseball bats. And if you get involved in a big situation like this um, and guns are not involved and maybe somebody has a chain and um, perhaps somebody has a knife, you want to stay as far away as possible in that altercation. And, you you know, even fist fighting is a very dangerous proposition because a fist fight, even if you win the fight, there's very little chance you didn't take one or two punches or, or you're going to be kind of wrestled around or something. So weapons were the greatest equalizer. They were a way to keep your opponent away from you. And more importantly, they were a way to not even engage in the fight. If you pulled out something like this, there's a very good chance that fight never even happened because people are like, okay, he's got that. I'm done with this and, and move on. So it was, it was sort of a, you know, I wouldn't call it a bluff because it was, it was useful and it would be used if necessary, but it was a show of, I have this, do you really want to do this? And that's sort of how it was. So we all carried golf clubs and we carried baseball bats. If you're going to carry a baseball bat, you don't want to carry a big baseball bat. You're not looking to hit a home run out of Yankee Stadium. You're looking to be able to move things quickly and keep somebody at a distance. So you would buy these 27-inch little kids, sort of very little league baseball bats. In those days, that was this was even before uh, aluminum bats were were prevalent. So these were these little Louisville sluggers, about 27 inches. They were about 18 ounces, maybe 20 ounces. They weren't very heavy. You could generate quite a bit of bat speed. Um, and a golf club was the same way. Golf clubs a little bit longer. So if you had a driver that was substantially long, um, you could really take care of things pretty quickly without getting too close to anyone. And, you know, one of the things you could do without really clocking somebody, uh, you could you could walk up with that golf club and just take a swing and hit them right in the knee. That's going to debilitate them right now. And, and then the, the fight is essentially over at that point. They're going down. And unless you are, you know, savage and you're going to beat this person while they're down and hobbled by this, you know, drive to their knee, then, you know, that's a, that's a different kind of level of of aggression, but mostly these were defensive. Um, if you were going to get very aggressive and you wanted to swing this thing at the head, getting hit on the side of the head with a golf club is, is going to ring your bell. So that's, that too is going to pretty much end it right there. So these things were, were very, you know, defensive and with somebody that has a chain or a knife, it's, it's very effective because if you've got a chain and somebody's going to swing a chain and they step forward and you swing and hit their knee and they go down, and, you know, they're nullified and you can take the chain and, you know, hopefully you're not beating them with the chain. You're just going to end the situation. And that was, that was the goal of most people. But most people um, with a big group like that sometimes get controlled by the mob mentality. So... The crowd is starting to swell. There's 50, 60, maybe 70 people there now. And the policemen show up and they had whatever call they had gotten. They knew there was a large group of people and people were armed, not armed with weapons, as I said. Um, 
but a dangerous crowd for one or two policemen to come to. When the police did show up, one of them was a, a canine officer, and he had a dog. And he got out of the car, and he has the dog, and the other officers there, and they're telling everyone, it's over, disperse, go home. Um, you know, the old adage, you know, you don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. So they're trying to clear the downtown and dispel this kind of tense situation when people were yelling at the cops, these guys are coming back and you guys get out of here. We'll take, you know, all that sort of bravado nonsense that, that happens in a group mentality. But it didn't look like anybody was going anywhere. And the police are not going to get back in their car and just drive away and go, oh, well, we tried. So they start to move forward a little bit with the police dog, and then they stop expecting us to do something as well, and then we don't do anything. We just stand there, 100 people, 80 people, whatever it was. Well, we had a friend named Jimmy, and Jimmy was, um, he was a super nice guy, and if he was your friend, you had nothing to worry about, and I mean nothing to worry about. If people knew he was your friend, you were left alone. If you got into a problem and Jimmy found out, he was right there with you regardless of what the situation was. All you had to do is say, Jimmy, I have a problem, and he's with you. He's not going to say, what is it? How do we solve it? What do you think you want? There was no discussion. Jimmy was not the sharpest tool in the shed. He was, um, I wouldn't say a bodybuilder, but he was lifting weights, and he was you know, he was big and strong and not hugely tall. He was a boxer. He spent, you know, I think he spent 10 years in the Army, and he, he boxed the whole time competitively in the Army. So he was probably a middleweight. He wasn't a huge guy. But you looked at him and thought, Man, I'm not messing with this guy. But again, super nice guy, but but not always able to assess a situation effectively that was going to make it go smoothly for anyone. So these police are standing there and Jimmy is there as he always was in almost every situation like this. And he steps in front of the crowd, almost the de facto leader. He, he's, he's Mel Gibson and Braveheart. Just one of those guys. I'm out front. You can know who I am and here's what I'm going to do. So he steps out in front of the crowd and he looks at the police and he says, there's a hundred of us. There's two of you. You have to deal with us. Well, that's a veiled threat or an overt threat. Not sure what you want to call it, but I know what the cops took it as. And they unclipped that police dog and that police dog came after Jimmy as fast as you've ever seen anything. Well, Jimmy being Jimmy, uh, he stood there and figured the dog is also an opponent and this is not going to be a problem. I'll take care of this dog. Well, before he could do anything, that dog had grabbed him by the groin and took him to the ground and just gnawed on him and chewed him up to there was not much left. Um, he was laying on the street as the chaos then then really erupted because now you have an alcohol-fueled huge crowd. The police have made this gesture. Jimmy has made this threat, and people are amplified, and you got people that want to go, and you got people who want to you know, calm down and, and pretty soon there's internal strife and fights break out within the crowd. And now the crowd is exploding into a riot of all the people who are supposed to be with each other. And, you know, small town beefs, like a guy had a beef with a guy 
two years ago or six weeks ago. And now I'm here and I'm got booze in me and that guy's right there and I'm pissed off. So I'll just get him now. So you'd see all these sort of side fights break out. Their friends would jump in. So this, this group that was unified against these other, um, at this point now mythical people who were supposed to show up, who didn't show up. Now there's fights breaking out and these two police are here and there's a police dog. And my friend and I each have golf clubs. And we are sort of moving away. We're not involved in this fight. We're just going to like, let's get out of here. Let's get in your car and let's go. So we have to sort of move through the street. And the police officer who has now retrieved his dog and they've called an ambulance for Jimmy. So there's, you know, you hear sirens in the distance. Um, But again, this is a small town from and we are a ways from too much, um, you know, too many hospitals or anything. So it was going to take a while for anybody to get there. But you could hear the sirens in the distance, but that was probably going to be three, four, five minutes, and they were going to come into this chaos. And uh, as we're walking by, I hear the police officer say to us, hey, you guys, stop. Drop the weapons and stop. Well, you know, that's not going to happen. You're not just going to acquiesce to uh, going to jail or being arrested or being detained or even being questioned by the police in any way, shape, or form. They were just grasping at straws. Anybody that came kind of near and could hear them, they were going to try to somehow solve this situation, but it was unsolvable. And uh, I think we just turned to them and, and I'm positive we didn't say anything too, too horrible, but I think our gesture of no and, and starting to run um, made him unclip the police dog on us. So out of this downtown area, there was a small little trail that went a little paved sidewalk that went up into the hills, into the neighborhoods. We just took off up that trail and we were running as fast as we could. And we've each got, got golf clubs and, and my friend was a, was a track athlete. So he, he was pretty fast and he had a lot of endurance. He was a long distance runner. And, and it was one of those situations where I don't have to be faster than the dog. I only have to be faster than you. And uh, he was faster than me. So he's, taking off up the hill and I'm chugging up the hill with this golf club and I can hear this click, 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 click of these, these four feet hitting the pavement and they're coming and they're coming faster. And I hear the panting and I'm just, Oh my God, I just seen what that dog had done to Jimmy. And now he is chasing me. I was running alongside a six foot fence and I tossed the golf club over the fence and I leaped onto that fence and rolled myself over and fell off the top of the six foot fence as that dog just snarled at me from the other side of the fence. And it never occurred to me to turn around and fight that dog with the golf club or whatever. I I was just there as something to do. So it wasn't like I was really there to to attack or fight anybody. And I first certainly wasn't going to fight the police. And I certainly wasn't going to fight this police dog, but I did, uh, I did get away, but that was a sound and uh, an adrenaline rush that I've never forgot. So I guess the moral of the story is it's very stressful to be chased by a police dog. 